0: lesson 18 folks we're going to be looking at numbers they're, they're preparing to depart we're going to look at the chapter 1 through chapter 10 of verse 10 there's going to be some significant things that we're going to talk about today and hopefully you're going to reflect on them in your question time okay so at the end we're going to have a question time for you to break up into groups and discuss some of these things I'm not going to read the passages to you because we're covering a large Portion of scripture, I would encourage you to go back and look at it on your own. So, the first thing we're going to look at here is the order of the twelve tribes. Now, when you, first of all, they went from the Red Sea, traveled over to Sinai, they've been camped there, God gave them the law, they built the tabernacle. Now they're ready to go, it's about two years since they fled Egypt, now they're ready to march up and take Canaan. But God, in His wisdom, knows that they can't just go as one big mob. Okay? They have to have an order. There needs to be an order to how they would move and how they would camp. Okay? How they would move, how they would camp, how they would situate themselves around the tabernacle. The tabernacle was always in the middle. So we're going to talk about that first the ordering of the twelve. So first of all, the Lord instructed Moses to take a census of all the tribes of Israel by clans and families, okay? So the tribes were broken down by the various clans and then they were broken down by the various families, okay? So you're talking several generations there. He wanted to take a census. Now this is not... This is not a normal census as you would have here in our country. You know, we do a census every 10 years. And by con- by the Constitution states that the census is to count everyone, everyone, every person in the United States where they are, because from that we determine who, how many House of Representatives folks we have, okay, by state. There's a purpose for it. There's a purpose for this census as well, but it's completely different, okay? So the census only included the numbering of men ready for the military and at least 20 years old. So when they took this census, it was only to number the men who were military ready. So they would only number those men who could fight, Do you understand? Who were physically able to pick up a sword. Physically able to serve in the military. Not somebody who was deformed. Not somebody who uh, had some kind of health handicap or whatever. But men who were ready to fight. And they had to be at least 20 years old. So that's a lot of people they're not counting, right? They're not counting children. They're not counting women. They're not counting males under the age of 20 you understand? So there's a lot of people that are not included in this census. So this census included only the numbering of men ready for the military at least 20 years old. Now, one man from each of the tribes was to assist Moses in the census. It only makes sense, right? One guy can't count a million people, right? Can't separate a million people to figure out how many folks there are. You know what I'm saying? He's got to have men under him. I, I think probably the reason why one man from each tribe, because one man from each tribe would only be in charge of counting who? His own tribe. Okay? So they would do it by clans and families and they would get a report. The Levites, now there was one tribe that was not counted. That was the tribe of Levi. The Levites were not to be counted in this census because they were exempt from the military. Now, if you were a Levite, you didn't have to be in the military. You didn't fight. Okay? Why? Because they served the Lord. Their duties were to be in the care of and in the service of the tabernacle. Okay? So the Levites were not to be counted in the census because they were exempt from the military. Now, they were set apart for the service of the tabernacle and all of its furnishings. You mean they are priests? No, no, the only priests were of the family, the sons of Aaron. Those were the only priests. In this situation, they had to have other people serve at the tabernacle put the tabernacle up, take the tabernacle down, move the tabernacle, take care of the the bodies of of the animals that were sacrificed and all of that. Those were the Levites. They did all of that work. Only they could erect and dismantle it. Any others who touched the tabernacle would die. So isn't that interesting? So, okay, it's time to move. Hey, and you're from the tribe of Benjamin. Hey, I can help. No, no, you can't touch that thing because if you touch that thing, you would die. You're not supposed to touch that thing. You know? Okay. The Levites pitched their tents adjacent to the tabernacle. So when the tabernacle was set up, the Levites would be, their tents would be surrounding The tabernacle, okay? They would surround the tabernacle. Now, let's talk about the placement of the eleven, the remaining eleven tribes, okay? So Israel was to have a set procedure for encampment and march in order to ensure its efficiency. So they had to have this procedure of how they would camp around the tabernacle. How they would be placed around the tabernacle, and they had to march in a certain way so that when they left, a certain people would leave first. Nobody's cutting in line here. You know, people would leave first, and then when they would get to a certain place, they would go ahead and organize themselves in such a way that they would flow into what their setup was with a tabernacle in the middle and the Levites around them. That's amazing, isn't it? That's how you move a million people. The order was to consist of four groups of three tribes each. So they would have groups of three tribes each on each side of the tabernacle. So the tabernacle in the middle, three tribes to the north, three tribes, three tribes, three tribes. Okay? Okay. The Levites were to be divided by major clans and placed immediately around the tabernacle. Okay? Now you're saying to yourself, now George, hold on a second here because I'm doing the math in my brain. And there are only 12 sons of Israel and if one of the sons is camping around the middle, how do you get three Four groups of three out of the remaining 11, because that doesn't work. Well, the tribe of Joseph is actually two tribes now, folks. The half-tribe of Manassas and the half-tribe of Ephraim. Now, do you understand? So there's actually 12 tribes and the Levites. Okay? 12 tribes and the Levites. Alright, everybody, everybody understand? Does everybody understand? Okay, I want you to understand. Okay. Alright, so let's go. The Levites were selected to undertake religious responsibilities short of actual priestly ministry. So the Levites were to do everything in the tabernacle except those tasks that were designated for the sons of Aaron. Do you understand? They were to do everything else but the tasks that were designated for the sons of Aaron. They did everything else except what was designated for the sons of Aaron. So, for instance, when they moved the ark, the people who would carry the ark on poles, on their shoulders, those were Levites, folks. Okay? Those were Levites. You're going to see later when we get to where the temple is, the singers, the singers, now you think about we have a band here the singers and the musicians in the temple were all levites they were levites okay just letting you know why because that's what their job was that's what they were for they were for taking care of the religious ministry of the nation of Israel okay now Why are they the ones who are doing this? Well, remember, God required from all of Israel that they were to give their firstborn to the Lord. Firstborn animal to be sacrificed, firstborn son or daughter, was specifically son, was to be given to the Lord. Well, God now says, okay, I'm going to have a substitute. Rather than you giving up your son, if you're from the tribe of Judah, I'm taking all of the Levites. So they were given in service to the Lord as a substitute for all the firstborn of the other tribes. Do you understand now? Okay? It's kind of interesting. All right? Kind of interesting. So, how long does the Levite serve? A Levite was to be between the age of 30 and 50 years of age due to the heavy work of the tabernacle. So you would serve in the tabernacle when you were between the prime age of 30 and 50. Well, what about all those young guys? No, no, between 30 and 50. That's what God specifically designated as being those who would serve in a tabernacle. Now why would you, why why you why not choose it? Why not the 20s? Think about that for a moment. Why not the 20s? Immature. I think it has to do with maturity. You're exactly right. I was thinking the same thing, uh, Bruce. In your 20s, you're not the prime epitome of maturity yet, are you? You think you are, but you're not. Okay? When you get to 30, you have a little bit more responsibility, you think a little bit more responsible, and when you're talking about doing something as far as handling the stuff in the tabernacle, where God kills you if you do something wrong, you want somebody who's mature, right? So they're using 30 to 50-year-olds, okay, 30 to 50-year-olds in the tabernacle. Now, this this is all the way up to chapter 4, verse 49. Now, when we come to chapters 5 and 6, we're going to see some various laws. I'm not going to go through them with you. I've just got them listed here. And the Nazarite vow. Okay? So let's just kind of look at these. Chapter 5, verses 1 to 4, it talks about those who are ceremonially unclean. That's somebody who touches a dead body. We've already talked about a woman in her cycle in the time of the month. She would be unclean. There are different things that are listed there as far as making you ceremonially unclean so that you could not partake in the community because the community was supposed to be holy. All right? Holy, so ceremonially unclean. Chapter 5, verse 5 through verse 10 is the law of recompense. Okay? Okay? The law of recompense. Chapter 5, verse 11 through verse 31. I mean, this is unusual, but this is the accusation of adultery. Let's say, and, and the way it's written, some of you ladies might be offended with it, but this is just the way it is in their culture. If you had a lady who was being accused of adultery by her husband, she had to take... He had to take his wife to the temple to a priest. They would make some kind of sacrifice, do some kind of thing. She would drink something. And if she got sick, it proved her adultery. Okay? What? Yep, I'm telling you this is the way it was. Okay? So this is the rules, laws concerning the accusation of adultery. Chapter 6, verse 1, verse through verse 21 is the Nazarite vow. Now, we're familiar with the Nazarite vow with reference to Samson, who had a lifetime Nazarite vow. Okay? We're used to thinking in terms of a Nazarite vow as somebody who's taken it for the rest of their lives. Okay? However, when you read this portion here, It is a vow taken for those who are consecrating themselves to God for a period of time. So when you go to the book of Acts, you will see things like the Apostle Paul who takes a vow. What vow is he taking? The Nazarite vow. So when he goes to Jerusalem, remember we talked about this when we looked at Acts? He goes to Jerusalem and he's got to pay for people to cut their hair and his own hair. Why is his hair long? Because he took the Nazarite vow for a period of consecration. So, to understand that, so the Nazarite vow is about a period of consecration. The law of the priestly blessing we see in verses 23 to 27 of chapter 6. Okay? Now, there is also a section concerning tabernacle offerings and service. This is in chapter 7 and 8 so in verse in ch- verses 1 through 89 of chapter 7 we see the offerings of the leaders chapter 8 verses 1 to 4 we see the lighting of the seven lamps and then chapter 8 verses 5 through 26 we see the consecration of the levites okay now, we're going to get to something very interesting. You're actually going to talk about it in your group. Chapter 9 is some Passover instructions. God gives them some new Passover instructions. All right, remember what the Passover was, right, folks? It was the meal that they were to partake to commemorate what? Being brought up out of Egypt when God killed the firstborn. Okay? So, here's the instructions. First of all, the new Passover instructions were to address the problem of any who were unable to celebrate it. Whoa. Now God made it very clear that everybody was supposed to partake in it, right? Made it very clear that everybody was supposed to partake in it. But he also made it very clear about who could not partake in it. He made it very clear that anybody who was unclean could not partake in the Passover meal. But how do you get unclean? It could be anything simple like for a woman that time of the month. For a man or anybody else, touching a dead body. Coming in contact with something unclean and you would be quote, ceremonially unclean, and you have to go through a process of becoming clean. Now, because you're unclean, you can't partake in the Passover, okay? Now, God is giving them some new instructions here about how to handle the folks who are unclean when the Passover happens so that they can partake, okay? And it's amazing that he does this. Isn't this interesting? So this may be due to the fact that they had become ceremonially unclean. We've already talked about that. The Lord allowed them to participate one month later, one month to the day later than the prescribed date of the Passover. Okay, so if you've got let's say you've got some folks who are not able, I mean, we're not talking a lot of people, but let's say you've got a small segment of folks who can't partake on the prescribed day of the Passover. God has made an allowance for them to what? Be ready to partake it a month later to the exact date. So for instance, okay, somebody in your family dies, you have to handle the body, you become unclean. The thought is a month from then, you're not going to be unclean because of that anymore. You can partake. Do you understand? Yeah, Shauna. Yes, yeah, you would become unclean. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you are considered unclean, like when you touch the body, okay, let's say Sam's dead here and I touch his body, okay? All right. You're alive, Sam, I know, but let's say you're dead, all right? I become unclean for a certain period of time. doesn't have to be that day, but if the period of time that I'm unclean, the Passover falls on that time, then I have to wait a month. It's also true for a woman. You say, well, you know, it is there is a cycle, George. One month. No, no, but if you read the laws... They were unclean for a period of time. Do you understand? For a certain amount of time. And so if the Passover fell during that period of time, then you know they would be you know they could partake later on. So uh, just saying God gave that allowance. Now that says something about God. We're going to talk about that later. Okay? All right. The one who refused to take part in Now, this is part of the instructions. The one who refused to take part in the festival, that's the Passover festival, must be excommunicated from the community, cast out of the community. In fact, the text makes the point, they're talking about death. That's the ultimate excommunication, isn't it? Because if you're refusing to partake in the most important festival... Outside of Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, if you're refusing to partake in the Passover meal, you shouldn't even be a part of the community, is what they're saying. Wow. It's that serious. Okay? That's serious. So God's giving that those instructions there. Okay? Then the final thing I want you to see is the issue, oh, excuse me, we got to talk about people who are living in the community who are not Jewish. A an alien, that's somebody who's not Jewish, living among them could participate fully in the Passover if they if he met the qualifications. Anybody want to know what the qualifications are? What's that, Brad? Yes, they would have to become a proselyte. Yeah. You'd have to become Jewish. If you're a male you would be circumcised. You you embrace the law, so you go through that process, okay? All right? You would go through that process. All right. Now, let's talk about the covering cloud and the silver trumpets. First of all, now the Lord guided the people by the cloud night and day as they made their journey to Canaan. So I want you to understand that as they traveled, they followed a cloud. That's what they followed, the cloud. The cloud would move, they would break camp, follow the cloud. And that cloud would guide them on their journey up until the time that they entered into Canaan. Okay? They followed the cloud. Now, the cloud is who, folks? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guided them. Okay, so I want you to remember that. Now, in order to move a million people, you've got to have some sort of system to tell them it's time to go, right? That's where the silver trumpets come in. So a system of signals were blown on two specifically made silver trumpets told the people that told the people when to move, okay? A system of signals blown on two specifically made trumpets told the people when to move. Okay, so that that they had these special trumpets. And here's the other thing you need to realize the blowing of the trumpets was the responsibility of the priests. The blowing of the trumpets was the responsibility of the priests.